Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Sociology Talk podcast. Today we have Professor Rasmussen, who is a lecturer in the Department of Sociology at California State University of Bakersfield. She's got a really awesome story about how she was led to the discipline, and even some advice for students who plan on taking her class. So I look forward to sharing this story with you. All right, so today we have uh, Professor Rasmussen, a lecturer in sociology, joining us on the podcast. Thanks for coming. No problem. Good to be here. All right, so uh, I want to start off the podcast with just a, qu- a couple questions, uh, a little bit about why you got into sociology, uh, I guess what uh, drew you into teaching sociology. So can you tell me a little bit about how that began, what what drew you into the, the discipline? Sure. Um, I was a nurse for 15 years prior to coming back to school, and I knew that's not where I was going to stay. There was, if there's politics in academia, it's multiplied in medicine, Mm. especially with nurses. And so I knew that's not where I was going to stay. And so I I moved back to Bakersfield to go to Bakersfield College because I knew I could get a quality education and still be afford still be able to afford raising my children. And so I just I was taking things and at the time I kind of thought I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. Hmm. I hemmed and I hawed about it and then I took I took what they said was introduction to sociology at BC. Okay. Now that I know what sociology is, that was a cultural anthropology class. Oh yeah. And so as I moved over here, as I transferred to Cal State, I thought, okay, anthropology is what I'll go into, right? Cultural anthropology. And it was at that time that the anthropology department, especially the cultural focus, was starting to phase out. And somebody said, why don't you do sociology? Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, what's that? And they told me. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's similar. It's not exact, but it's similar. And it turns out that I I genuinely appreciate the discipline as a whole because, as I tell students all the time, why wouldn't you want to learn about and know how this thing that we exist in operates at all different levels? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you know your personal experience, but how does the stuff that's happening at the macro level impact you as an individual? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that hooked me was it being able to make that correlation between macro and micro. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, oh, okay. And we talk about race, and I can talk about language. I'm all there. Right. I'm all there. Yeah. Yeah, you had mentioned that macro influence on your who you are, mm-hmm. who you become, how you behave, essentially. So, yeah, that's also something that kind of, like, uh, hooked me mm-hmm. was the, man, that there are – other people that experience similar things as me. It's not like I'm just living this experience on my own, that there are shared experiences as well because of the macro influences on individuals. Right, and the fact that just because we can both go through similar things doesn't mean that your experience is less valid than my experience, Mm -hmm. but both of those experiences, even in their uniqueness, are still influenced by the same level, same macro level phenomena, right? right. I mean, it, that part is just, it's like, whoa, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. To me, it's really cool. That's how I get, I, I get geeked out about that kind of thing all the time. <laughs> and 
family are looking at me like, what, really? I'm like, yeah, did you see that? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. did you see that correlation right there? And they're yeah. like, no. I'm like, well, you should look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, it must be like a whole Bakersfield college thing too because I'm a product of that mm-hmm. campus too. And that's, I mean, that's the area where I got hooked too is yeah. that, in that campus too. So and, and, you know, it was funny because when I, like I said, when I came back, I knew I needed to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, really. I mean, I because I was um, employed as a nurse, obviously it was it made logical sense to move up that line, mm-hmm. right? But after a while, it just it was like, no, that's not where I'm supposed to be, and I know that's not where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Where I was most comfortable in nursing is what caused me or influenced me to become an academic, and that Mm. was the teaching element of it, right? When I was giving instruction to patients, like I'll never forget the very, um, the the moment that it sticks in my head the most is that I was asked to teach a wife of a patient how to do his dressing changes. Poor guy came in with road rash from head to toe. He was on a motorcycle, yeah, it was bad. He was okay. I mean, you know, but it was st- it was bad. Yeah. And so Doc asked me, he's like, okay, I need you to teach her how to do this because they lived far out and it was going to be a trek for them to come in. So as I was teaching her, I don't, I, I remember feeling very comfortable and like, oh, yeah, this is it right here. Mm-hmm. What that was in the moment, I had no clue had no idea what that was and that 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 thought process didn't really start to develop until I got here at Cal State mm-hmm. and then being under the influence of the the faculty here you know it was like that that idea started to formulate and focus for me mm-hmm. so okay excellent yeah. yeah such a great story and so you after you you eventually considered going into uh, master's a master's program mm-hmm. in your master's in sociology. Right. So what motivated you to go that way? What was your experience like? Okay. Well, originally, I was going to go for my PhD. I was originally okay. on that track. I was a part of the McNair Scholars Program. And, you know, that real that program really does focus on getting students to a PhD, to a doctorate-level program. It, di- it just didn't work out for me. Um, you know, life happened. Like I tell students all mm-hmm. the time, life happens and we know that it happens. And so you have to, you know, adjust and modify and so forth. And so that's what I did. Um, I was here. The program, we had a master's program at the time in the department. And so I was able to just continue with my education rather seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it wasn't a conscious idea to go into a master's program the the goal was a doctorate i just never got there mm-hmm. and i'm okay with that i'm very comfortable with the level of education that i have i mean mm-hmm. every now and again there's that little inkling like i should go back and get it <laughs> yeah. you know i should go get a doctorate just so they can call me doctor and, <laughs> but i i have to think about you know whether that's just a point of pride on my mm-hmm. part or whether it's a genuine desire because a doctorate program is nothing to play with, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's a level of commitment that exceeds even that of a master's program. Right. 
and I just don't think I have that. There's too many other things in life that I want to do that I'm doing, etc. That I don't think I have the the wherewithal to commit like that to a doctorate. So I'm very comfortable with my master's. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with you know being a lecturer on a, a CSU campus. I like it. I love it. You know, I said today on my 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 one and only Facebook post or, or social media post for the first day of of class, right? It's the joy of being in the classroom that gets right. me. So that's why I do what I do. Helping students is always the ultimate goal. Yeah. Do you think that part of it is the also the teaching element? I mean, lecturers, a lot of the teaching is kind of on their our shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the area that you want to go in anyway, right? right? Whereas when you get a PhD, you do get like course releases stuff, but then you are also required to publish and you know, uh, and see that, yeah, like that, that. that requirement to publish. <laughs> yeah. Look, if I publish, great, but I'm not required to do it. I mm-hmm. think that that element of rebellion in me mm-hmm. is like, no, you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not going to tell me I have to serve on campus. Yeah. If I want to serve, I will, and I do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I serve on campus, I serve in the department, etc. But to be told that I have to do it, like it's a, con- a yeah. condition of employment, nah, yeah. I'm not sure I like that idea. Yeah. And so for me, I, you know, not getting tenure, not having the doctorate doesn't impede my ability to do what it is that I love the most, and that's to teach. Right, yeah. You have the, you always have that passion to teach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have the same kind of thing, like, once in a while, I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe I should go and get that PhD, because, like, <laughs> kind of feels nice to... Um, you know, publish work or, mm-hmm. you know, use your research skills. And, uh, but then it's like, you have to take a step back and say, is that because I want them to call me Dr. Sanchez? You know, yeah. <laughs> or is it just, yeah. So I've always, it's, it's always been, I'm still kind of on the fence on either side. But yeah. yeah, I do feel comfortable teaching. Likewise, you know, I've always had a passion to teach. I've always wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I had a, huge interest in art. I did like mm-hmm. stained glass and stuff like that. Yeah, and, you do do that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. I still do once in a while, but uh, yeah, I just, once I found sociology, I just knew like this yeah. is, this, this is, is it. it. You just know, right? Yeah. Once you, once you're exposed to that, your passion, you just, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're just in. So yeah, that's really cool. Because it, it like, intersectionality, right? <laughs> One of the sociological concepts that we love to talk about, mm-hmm. intersectionality. It really does. Sociology as a discipline pulls all of those things that I love together, mm-hmm. the, all of those things that I'm interested in, race, religion, gender, language, all of those things, those big sociological concepts, bringing them all together and being able to see how they interact and intersect. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in Dr. Dugan's class and hearing intersectionality for the very first time, hearing the term and going, oh, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've always had this vague idea of, okay, well, this is my experience as a white woman in this society and, you know, how things, similar things impact my friends who are black women in society, but I never had that, and it was never formalized in my brain. It was just kind of like this underlying current that I kind of knew something wasn't equal, equitable, all of those things, Mm -hmm. but then... When I sat in the classes that I was able to sit in in the, on this campus, um, yeah, it, it kind of solidified it for me. Mm-hmm. It put the put the, the the terms to it and 
yes. allowed me to define it. And then, as I talked about in class today, then I was able to apply those things to the real life scenarios and ph phenomena that I was experiencing. Yeah, mm -hmm. and even to like understand it a bit more, like yeah. that's it's like exactly that's kind of that's, what what sold me was like. <laughs> You know, I have these like lived experiences, and I know they like exist. Mm -hmm. but it's hard to like say what that is. Yeah. And then you like get into sociology, like, well, there's a concept for that. Yeah. Or there's a word for that. There's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. Y'all study that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm in. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. And so, um, I guess for somebody that wants to potentially consider a master's degree in sociology, is there like any kind of advice that you would give that person? thinking back on your experiences in, in graduate school? Take as many classes as you possibly can from a variety of instructors. You know, there are there were uh, people in our department who I never sat in the classroom with. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be one of my biggest regrets as a student. Um, you know, I love the people and respect the people that I did sit in with, but there was, there was so much more to learn. And so first and foremost, take as many classes as you possibly can by a number of different instructors. Because even those instructors that I didn't particularly quote unquote like, mm -hmm. or I thought that I, I didn't quite appreciate how they did things in their classroom, they still taught me something. Even if it was they taught me, like, you know what? If I ever get into a classroom, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. That thing right there. <laughs> yeah. Group projects. Never. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I can't stand them. Yeah. I didn't like them as a student, and I don't like them as an instructor, mm -hmm. you know, because students don't like them for the most part. I mean, good students don't like them for the most part. <laughs> yeah. The other ones, maybe yeah. they like them because it kind of helps them out. But right. Not for me. So... First and foremost, do that. Take as many classes. Take those classes. If, if, if sociology is a student's focus, if a, if a student is thinking that they want to move in that direction, take as many different classes as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I still wish I would have uh, taken Dr. Santos' um, uh, Chicano experience. I think, that's, I think that was the class. Mm -hmm. Still wish I would have taken that class. Never got around to it. Um, take classes in different disciplines. Uh, I know, especially as a master's student, you are able to do that, take stuff in, in other disciplines, because it helps you make, the, again, those correlations, right? Just because somebody's in, in science doesn't mean that they're not experiencing social phenomena. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. I mean, there is a, a large body of sociological literature that talks and discusses the, the gender disparities in STEM, right? Mm -hmm. And then the racial disparities in STEM. And so you can learn something, not only the discipline in and of itself, but if you are a sociologist at heart, you can make those correlations. Right. Yeah. So take as many classes from as many sociologists as you possibly can. Take as many classes outside of the discipline as you can. And it just helps broaden and, and deepen your your understanding of the society that we live in. Yeah. Um, as far as programs in and of themselves, find a program that focuses on at least one element of the program. It, it's much like applying for PhD programs, mm -hmm. right? You want faculty in the department to focus on what it is of interest to you. Right. 
So if your interest is race, then you need to find a department with at least one faculty member that focuses on race, whatever the case may be. Um, because then you have somebody to talk to, somebody to kind of guide you in that, that area of study. Um, you know, and then know that you're going to have to put the work in. Yeah. Yeah. you got to put the work in. But see, so here's for me. The thing that I, I loved about the master's program versus my undergraduate work, right, is that the master's was focused on what it is I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the brilliant part about a master's program, right? You're no longer having to take all this GE stuff, you know, with stuff that you're like, why am I sitting in this classroom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But once you get into a graduate level program, you genuinely have the opportunity to focus on what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as an undergraduate and maybe some of your general ed, if you have some, you know, a program that allows you to take other things, do that. Mm-hmm. But know that you should have a focus by the time you get to your master's program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's your area that of interest is? And yeah, you did <laughs> in several ways. <laughs> and so, yeah. And, um, one of the things that I also like to mention, uh, for you know, I've interviewed people in the cohort before. Mm-hmm. So uh, Professor Rasmussen was in my cohort. Yes. For those of you that listen, are listening, and mm-hmm. uh, we took classes side by side. Yes. Right? I mean, we, we sat next to each other. We, Advanced quantitative analysis. Yes, spent, spent late <laughs> nights uh, oh. studying. So that's mm-hmm. that's also something that I feel was important too. Was like uh, yeah. creating that community, that that yeah. cohort, that mm-hmm. yeah, that tightness with the other students yes. definitely helps. I mean, they yes. say. You know, um, what's it? Several brains are better than one. It's yeah. it's definitely true it, because if something didn't yeah. click for me and it clicked for you, right. you could explain it in yeah. the other way around. You exactly. know, so yeah, exactly. that was I think one thing that I had to learn because as a you know going into the college, it was just like I'm just gonna do me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm gonna get through this. To get to. <laughs> yeah, but it really had me uh, break through my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, and really start to interact and just. Mm-hmm ask for help because uh yeah i needed it i didn't understand every concept and that's okay you know because you came from a liberal studies background right Mm -hmm. some most of us in the cohort had an undergraduate in in sociology right you were you and i think um uh there was one other person professor studebaker she came in she didn't have a um i think she came from liberal studies as well okay um so it was like, okay, well, what does this concept really mean and, and so forth and so on? So it was beneficial for, for all of us, really, that we had a couple of people in the cohort that didn't have the exact same undergrad mm-hmm. um, experience because it, for us, it helped us teach the concepts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, a lot of us are now teaching, not only in our department, but just teaching, period. And so it allowed us to begin to lay that foundation of, of teaching the concepts as well as understanding the concepts. So right. I think it worked really well. But yeah, that is something that I think is important for um, in a graduate program is that you have a strong cohort because like you, there was there were times mm-hmm. I was just like, what? You know, like <laughs> I remember telling Dr. Willits personally, uh, Dr. Willits was our advanced quantitative analysis professor, mm-hmm. and I was his TA the semester before, quarter before we um, we went into that class. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the term, I walked into his office for whatever the reason, and I asked him, you know, what are the books that we're going to use? And he grabs them off the shelf and he says, these two. And remember, they were the little tiny thin books. Yes. 
Yeah. I was like, really? <laughs> and I told him, and, I, and I, I swear to you, I did this, and he, he could probably confirm it. I told him, I was like, you know what? I said, I know the rules. My program allows me one C, and this is going to be it. Your This class right here, that's mm-hmm. going to be it. And he was like, Donna, don't do that. I'm like, but seriously, I, I had such anxiety about stats and all of that. The idea of having to survive, and that's how I walked into that class. I thought I was going to survive it. I didn't think I was going to learn anything of it. I sure as heck didn't think I was ever going to teach it, you know. <laughs> but you I, did. I, but I did, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so I, he was like, don't do that. And it turns out that that was the class that really bonded us as a cohort. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was that course, yeah. you know, that really did it for us. That I mean, we spent hours in the lab. Oh, yeah. Hours. Sometimes really working hard and sometimes acting a straight fool. Do you remember we were doing, like, yes. ghosts yeah, yeah. or something like that? Yeah. I, was like, I think one of us had a blanket and acted like a yes, ghost. We were going crazy. Yeah, because it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, you did anything you could to, to make each other laugh, to support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's the importance of a cohort. I mean, remember the first exam in Dr. Willett's class and uh, Myra missed a page? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were all as devastated as she uh, was. You know, we were yeah. all able to rally around her and work through that with her. Mm-hmm. And that's a testament to the value of a cohort. Yeah. And that's something that you get in, in a master's. And then when my thesis disappeared off my laptop. Oh, yeah, a couple yeah. times, I think. Right. No, it was one. It was um, it was a couple of days before it was due in the library. Uh, yeah. And I was, up in my, yeah, I was up in my little study room in the library that I'd been for like two years <laughs> and um, I was getting ready to shut everything down so I could go downstairs to the lab to go to class and I did my normal process I saved everything I shut it down I opened it back up to make sure that everything was there and it wasn't there oh, and yeah. I lost it mm. I called Dr. Dugan it's gone She's like, what's gone? And I told her, she comes running across campus. I called one of you guys and was like, tell Willits I'm not coming to class. And yeah. I lost my thesis. And, and then after class, all of you came up. Yep. You yeah. know? I remember that. That's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the value of that. Yeah, we also. And you least... don't usually get that in a bachelor, in no. undergraduate work. You don't. Yeah. Cohort in a, in a master's or a PhD program, invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely really tight. Yeah. <laughs> tight. Group. And we're still here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, and we made it. We, we did. survived. We all survived. Yeah. We all got our degrees. And yep. we're all out there functioning as, you know, educated adults. Yeah. You know, I used your story actually in, in qualitative research methods. I hope oh, that's okay. Of course. And it's, uh, it's about saving <laughs> things story? to a cloud. <laughs> no, the one you just oh, mentioned. Yeah. yeah. Saving things to a cloud. Yeah. Because I, I mentioned, that you had lost your information and you just, it was just like nightmare. It's a nightmare. It was gone. And if you have all of the information saved on a computer mm-hmm. or you lose your hard drive and it's all there, yeah, you're done. The only thing that <laughs> saved me with that is the multiple versions I had submit. I had emailed to uh, Dr. Dugan. Oh, man. That's what saved me. Yeah. She had, she had the final project 
before my defense. And what I was working on was the edits that my committee said needed to be made before I submitted it. Mm -hmm. And so it was relatively easy to go back in and make those changes again because I'm grateful to say that my committee didn't ask me to do a whole lot that mm -hmm. we had nailed I had nailed it the first time pretty much and so there wasn't a whole lot to do but still that that was scary yeah. so yes please use that experience in your <laughs> class as many classes as you want to because yeah. it was yeah. yeah but we didn't even have a cloud back then I mean, we didn't have Dropbox? I can't remember. If we did, I certainly didn't know about <laughs> I saved my stuff on multiple flash drives. Right. I had three flash drives of my own. Dr. Dugan had a flat, a dedicated flash drive just for my product project. Yeah. And that's what saved me. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Well, thankfully, she had all that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I owe her my life, my career, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we had talked a little bit about, um, you know, being in the classroom mm -hmm. and what you've mentioned to your students and uh, what you enjoy about your job. Um, are there anything, is there anything else that you could think of that you enjoy about your job and then also any dislikes? Anything <laughs> <laughs> you don't Opposite like Opposite side of that coin. Yeah. Um, honestly, when students genuinely get it, when they understand the method behind the madness or the madness behind the method, whichever way that goes, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, I, the best compliment I have ever been given as an instructor, I was teaching down at a, a, a community college down south and um, <laughs> students said to me, there was a couple of students, it was after the final exam or whatever it was and one student said, oh, by the way, I told my friend to take your class because it's really interesting and so forth and so on. I was teaching like intro or something like that. And um, another student said, a male student, which is significant given, you know, and anyway, we won't analyze that, right? <laughs> male student says, well, I'll got, I got you one better. And I said, really? I said, well, what did you say? And he says, I told my friends, if you want to learn something, Take Rasmussen. I was like, oh. <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when students get it that that I mean, even if they don't go anywhere else with it, even if it's a general ed class, if they understand it, that just makes them better people, mm -hmm. right? That just make that helps them understand society as a whole. Mm -hmm. And if we have people who understand society as a whole more likely to be able to move past some of these things that we're still struggling with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that part, I think, is one of those things that really, really gets me. Mm -hmm. um, and then those students that never talk to me, but then they send me this note at the end of the semester or term or whatever, you know, quarter, whatever it is, that say something like, you know what, I know I never talked to you, but thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's genuinely the appreciation of the student and them understanding the concepts that we're trying to teach. Um, the flip side of that, yeah, students who do, don't do their part. Yeah. yeah, I just, I was, you know, I taught Introduction to Research Methods today, a couple hours ago, right? And in that class, we know that it's unlike most of our content courses, right? This course is not you, you know, read a book, you answer some questions, you write a couple papers, whatever. It's not that. 
It's student-driven. Students have to have their own ideas about what they want to do. And when students don't want to do that part, when they don't do the reading, mm. you know, um, I, I said to, I said that, because you know as well as anybody, I'm famous. I'll walk out of a classroom. <laughs> I'll walk out in a heartbeat. If students have not done the reading and they want me to come in and spoon feed them, that's not going to work well for me. You know, because you have to be able to engage in the education process. Obtaining a degree is an active process. Mm -hmm. And there are still students in this world and on this campus that think, no, I'm supposed to go in there. You're supposed to tell me what to do. And I'm supposed to do it and I'm supposed to get an A. Mm -hmm. That's not the way this works, you know. And so that, I think, is really a... That's that was that's one of the more challenging aspects to what we do, right? You know, um, but I love being in the classroom, even in those moments. Um, yeah, I just I, I genuinely enjoy being in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, I can, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. yeah, with the, I think a lot of people don't understand that it's uh and it's ex- in exchange, mm-hmm. right? It's not just like I give you the information on a silver platter. Right. And then, yeah, and then go on with your day, right? Yeah. It's it, it's an equal exchange of energy, yeah. right? Like, yes. I can bring so much. I can only bring so much into, like, to the table. Right. Right, but you got to bring the rest. Exactly. Like, you, it's just this, uh, it's like, you know, we got to work together all, as a team. Gotta, I can give you all the ingredients, but you genuinely have to cook the meal. Right. Something along those lines, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that mm-hmm. part yeah. that they have. And I remember... When you and I taught up at Antelope Valley, my very first term there, I don't remember if we were semester, quarter, whatever, but very first term there, there was a student, uh, a male student, who basically got in my face because he didn't appreciate the grade that he received on an assignment. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he said, I didn't do my job, I'm not qualified to teach, um, Yikes. You didn't. You didn't give me the resources that I needed, and I'm like, okay, wait, let's break this down. And mind mm-hmm. you, this is happening in front of an entire classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Because we were right in the, you know, Antelope Valley, so small. Yeah. And so the classroom that he had just left was also the classroom that I was teaching my next class in. So I wasn't moving, and so he's there trying oh, to have gosh. this conversation. <laughs> You couldn't like, just leave. Yeah. I couldn't just leave. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, so let's break this down, right? First of all, I have given you resources. You have me. You never came to speak to me. Hmm. You have your textbook. And you have something that I really didn't have as a student. You've got this internet thing <laughs> that kind of works wonders for this whole educational process. Yeah. I did tell you what I wanted. I gave you guidelines. I told you what I needed. For this particular assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just went on and, on and on and on and on and on. And it was just endless. I mean, and throughout his entire term at Antelope Valley Campus of CSUV, mm-hmm. we were like this. Up until senior seminar, he was still oh, the God. same way. And it was funny because he came down here to the Bakersfield campus for the, the social work program. Uh-huh year or two had gone by or whatever, I ended up coming back to um, Bakersfield campus full time. I'm up in my office. He comes in there. After he's already sent word through other students, right, 
Rasmussen was right. Because he kept coming into my office, right? He was like, dude, why are you giving me a D? I'm mm-hmm. not giving you a D. You earned a D. Yeah. You know? I said, now, if you want to, we can go ahead and go line by line. Because mm-hmm. you know me. That's that's my thing. I'll line by line. If you yeah. need me to, I will. Mm-hmm. You know? And I gave you 10 pages. I said, you gave me 10 pages of words, but you didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he comes up to the office, and he sits down on my little couch. And he, <sighs> I said, y'all right? Yeah. I said, well, what's up? You know, nice to see you. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because I didn't know how to take this interaction. I didn't know what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know what? I just came in here to tell you that you were right. Mm -hmm. I said, what was I right about? Because, you know, I love being right. But what (laughs) am I right about? (laughs) And he said, everything. (laughs) Basically, he says, you know, you told me that my writing skills weren't up to par and I needed to utilize the resources available to me. Uh. And I didn't. And now that I'm here, and I have no choice, I have to use them. Mm. He said, because they're telling me the same thing you were telling me. Mm. He says, I didn't recognize that you were trying to help me in that moment. And so when students get there, that's like, Uh, yeah. even though there was all that chaos, Mm. drama, you know, his year or two at Antelope Valley to be able to come back and say, you know what? Okay. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That Man, doesn't... that's, yeah, that's, that. I, I've, yeah, you've told me that story yeah. and it's just so funny, you know, and just uh, being able to just, you know, stand your ground and be like, no, mm-hmm. this is, this is what happened. And it was difficult. Right? Yeah. And just, it probably kept you up sometimes, right? Like, <laughs> oh gosh, like, am I going to have to, uh, going to experience this again, right? Yes. But then just at the, you know, waiting, and then finally, yeah. it all just comes back around. And Two like, things happened because of that student. One, I I legitimately told my family, look, mm. something happens to me on campus. <laughs> this is who you need to look to. Yeah. Because, I mean, it got downright, uh, he, ugly. Mm-hmm. he was quite upset with me to the point, and it kept happening, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not, look, I'm no punk. I can yeah. handle somebody being mad at me, mm-hmm. but when it keeps happening, yes, yeah. and it's at such an intensity, mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, you yeah. know, look, y'all, if something happened, you need to, you, y'all yeah. need to go that direction first. Yeah, yeah. Clear and, that first, and then you can look at any other <laughs> place. Yeah, so right? I'm like laughing now, but like it's not funny. In right? the like moment, they, it, get, it really wasn't. Things get intense. It, things, things get, get very intense. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is I had to come down here and I had to have a meeting with our department chair and our our, our, our dean. Oh, I was like, yes. I need to talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. And I what you know, I didn't want it to be, you know, on the back end when after so size student opinion surveys and you know that student evaluations is what they're called, right? You know, I didn't want it to happen after that. Mm-hmm. I needed to try and be proactive. Right. And, and I think that's something that people don't recognize when they think about going into academia. When they don't think, when, they, when they're thinking about going into teaching. is that other side of it. You know, people think about teaching as, oh, you're just in a classroom and you're teaching people and, you know, so forth and so on. Mm, no, it's not always like that. There, there's there's another element. There's a few other elements, right, that you have to learn to deal with. Yeah. And and difficult students, especially at this level, right, 
difficult students at the elementary school level, you know, okay, it's probably more difficult to deal with their parents than it is the children. Mm. Possibly. I don't know. I've never done, I've never worked it. I don't want to. Mm. But here, you're coming face to face with an adult. Yeah. And they know they've got the power that they have. Mm-hmm. And so it's managing all of that. Right. So it can be difficult. Yeah, it is. It's definitely something else that when you go into teaching sociology, I mean, you learned all mm-hmm. of the sociological material yeah. to prepare yourself somewhat, mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> to go into the classroom. Yeah. But like, uh, there's. you're right. There's like so much more to teaching behind closed doors, yes. you know, just like like that stuff, right? Yeah. And so you're, I mean, you're not the only one that's experienced mm-hmm. that. I, mm-hmm. I've shared stories yeah, with you that just definitely like, not. just are, man, you're just like kind of afraid to go back to your office. It shouldn't be like that, you it know? Shouldn't. Like it shouldn't. And, yeah. but sometimes mm-hmm. it is. And you gotta yeah. just know how to handle those situations. Yeah. And so. And the thing about sociology, right, is it makes us think, well, why is this happening? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this happening because that's a man and I'm a woman? Yeah. Is happening because of this or that or the other thing? You know, why, what, you know, even in our own circumstances, you know, I don't know. I, I always try and extrapolate out everything that I can mm-hmm. so that I can understand it because then I feel like I can manage it better. Right. You yeah. know? So if I recognize this as a gender thing, as this person coming from a culture that believes that men are superior to women. Mm-hmm. That could be that could be impactful, right? Yeah. I can understand how me as a person could impact him as an individual, right? But the reality is, you're here to learn about those things. Mm-hmm. You can't engage in those things yeah. and expect to have a positive outcome, you know? Because didn't you just write a paper about how, yeah. <laughs> you know, that shouldn't be the case? But yeah. culturally, it still is. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's yeah, it's so it's totally uh, something that I experienced too. Yeah. I, I shared that with yeah. you. I mean, it's uh, I often think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so the way that that student approached me and uh, handled it, their yes. situation, what's what's driving that, yes. or what what do they experience, or what environment are mm-hmm. they in that may produce that behavior what factors influence their behavior yes and i've had so many experiences like yes. that like i had one student who told me um via email i knew you were going to be a problem the first day i saw you oh i'm like the first day you saw me like so i just like walked into the classroom and you just have this I impression have this impression and i think that that's something i i had to think about that i was yes. like wow okay so I didn't even say one word, and you already had these ideas, ideas about, about who me. I was going to be. And, you know, that's a lot of, that's something that a lot of us, I mean, all of us experience. Yes. We have these implicit mm-hmm. biases. Yes. And so, yeah, we all come with that because we're all in, we're all, we all interact. Yes. <laughs> in this society that mm-hmm. has these things that we learn from, right. when we're institutionalizing. Yes. You know, we learn these things from experiences, from mm-hmm. institutions, you know, mm-hmm. from media wherever Where you know ever and, and so however, yeah yeah we're all a product of that and mm-hmm. so it it has really helped me as you said to really think about that mm-hmm. and be like okay so that's that's where that came from right you know so yeah it is and interesting. sometimes understanding where it comes from mm-hmm. makes it just a little bit easier to deal with it whatever it is right you know yeah mm-hmm. right on it's, yeah so I wanted to uh, finish off the this interview. Thing, this thing we do, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
And I wanted to finish off this interview with the, you know, just if if somebody was seeing your, you saw your name, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm about to enroll in Professor Rasmussen's class. <laughs> what things would you, I guess, say to them to help prepare them for the way that you you teach your style, your classroom? Read. <laughs> read. Just yes. read. So for those of you no. listening on the podcast, she's... <laughs> Just is, read. Is, has a shirt on that says it's in the syllabus. Yes. Right. So definitely read the syllabus, probably, yes. right? <laughs> so. Read the syllabus. Um, honestly, it really for me, it really is understanding that as a student, you have a responsibility to your own education. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say some I say something, especially in my introduction to sociology course. Um, I, I asked the question early on, usually first day, you know, um, how many people in this room were younger than 30? And inevitably, you know, it's a, it's a 1,000 level class and inevitably you have a whole bunch of hands that go up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, I'm really not talking to you right now, <laughs> you can listen, but I'm not directing this at you, right? Yeah. So for the rest of you, please understand how this thing works, right? You have gained, you have this body of knowledge, right? It's trapped up in your head, you think about it all the time, etc. right? That came to you by certain dimensions, right? Or certain modes, you know, mm-hmm. your parents, your friends, your teachers, your, the whatever media you're exposed to, etc. And that's fine, because that's the way we transmit information, right? That's what we do as a society. Mm-hmm. My job here is to get you to question every single bit of that. Every single bit of it. Mm-hmm. And here's the rub, right? You might think I'm trying to change your mind about stuff when I ask you why. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. I just need you to think about it. And if at the end of this class, your educational journey, whatever the case may be, if you come back to the exact same spot that you started in, but you've legitimately, wholeheartedly, and honestly looked at and questioned everything, here's the difference. It's no longer your mama's knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's yours. It's no longer your daddy's opinion. It's yours. And you can back that thing up. I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to like you. But I can respect it if it's yours. Mm-hmm. What I can't really deal with is, my, you know, my dad said or this this commentator said or whatever. Now, does, irregardless of political affiliation, religious, faith, race, gender, any of those things, none of those things matter to me. If a human being can articulate their point clearly, unapologetically, but at the same time be willing to hear the other side of mm-hmm. it, that to me is a well-rounded person. That's what I want in my classroom. So if you come into Professor Rasmussen's classroom, (laughs) read the syllabus, read the doggone text. (laughs) It's not the easiest thing sometimes. I get it. I understand it. But read it. Give it an honest go. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's going to stimulate the questions. The idea is, right, that you read the material before you come into the classroom you have questions made up in your mind already. Maybe mm-hmm. you read something on page 23 that you just totally didn't understand. Come in the classroom. Ask yeah. me about it. Mm-hmm. 
if I touch on it on lecture in lecture and you didn't understand it and I didn't clarify it in lecture, that's when you raise your hand and he's like, you know what? I need you to reel back a little bit. I need you to talk to me about that one. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. understand it. Mm-hmm. That's the learning process. Learning is a process. Obtaining an education is a process. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't just sit in a classroom, everything goes in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and wham, you're an educated human being <laughs> and you've got a degree. It yeah. doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Professor Rasmussen works best with students who are engaged in their education. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to be an A student. I don't care. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would probably rather deal with the FDs and Cs that are engaged than I would the A's. Yeah. Because the A's think they know everything already. You know? Come into my classroom prepared to do the work, having read the material that's required of mm-hmm. you, yeah. and ready to ask the questions and then answer them. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not trying to challenge you in an adversarial kind of way. But I am trying to challenge you to think about what it is that you're asking and maybe help guide you to answering your own question. Because if you Mm -hmm. go through that, then you're more likely to actually learn it instead of just Professor Rasmussen telling you. Yeah. You know, because you'll be like, oh, you know, there's a saying, there's an old saying. Some of my students put it on the back of, uh, of something for me. And it says that I may forget what you say, but I'll never forget how you made me feel. Mm-hmm. And that that sticks with me. Right. Because I can tell you a whole bunch of information. I can deliver a whole bunch of information and you're likely going to forget it mm-hmm. unless you interact with it on multiple occasions. Yes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I would rather you remember, yeah, she challenged the heck out of me, but I learned something at the end of it. And I'm that I'm good with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I may not have liked her in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but she got just like that student we were just talking about, right? Yeah. Could care less about me in the moment. Yeah. But eventually came to the place where they understood that I was trying to teach something. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the, you know. Yeah. Come in prepared, come in with the questions, and come in ready to actually do the work. Mm-hmm. If you think it's going to be in a walk in the park, the answer is no. If you expect Professor Rasmussen to spoon feed you, no. But I will hold your hand. We'll walk this thing right together, mm-hmm. right? Maybe yeah. I won't hold your hand. but I'm not I will let you drown. <laughs> I, yeah, I won't let you drown. That's right. I won't let you drown, and we'll walk through this thing together. Mm-hmm. Because that's my job. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. My job isn't just to hand you a bunch of information and say, right. here, go take a test. Mm-hmm. I'm, could I get away with that? Probably, because grades would be high, right? <laughs> you know. But is that what we're really doing here? Is that what we're really supposed to be doing here? Right. You know, challenging people to become better, to think more clearly, to think more deeply about the things that we genuinely take for to me, that's a successful course. Yeah. If I can get people to do that, I'm good. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, being challenged is a good thing. Yeah. You know? It's not, um, and you cannot learn within your comfort zone, right? There's like this circle we have called our comfort zone. Yes. Once we step foot out of it, it's that's it's not our learning. comfort zone. Yeah. yeah it's challenging. Mm-hmm. We don't like it. I want to go back in my comfort zone. Yes. But the only way you expand your knowledge is to challenge yourself. Exactly. Step that foot out of that 
circle, that yes. comfort zone. Yeah. And then your comfort zone expands. Yes. You start to learn that. You, you know it. And then that comfort zone grows some more. Mm-hmm. Then you step foot back out again. Yeah. And it's, that's, yeah. So being challenged is not, it's not a bad thing. It's no, a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. And, so, and every, yeah. every instructor on this campus, regardless of their status, whether they're tenured, tenure track, lecturer, whatever, should, in my opinion, have that as the goal. Mm-hmm. Challenge the students. Don't make it impossible. You know, we're not all Ironman <laughs> athletes, right? Yeah. Triathletes or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. right? Lord knows I'm not, you know. But I can challenge intellectually. I can yeah. challenge you on your opinions and your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, yeah. I have a, another story <laughs> real quickly. Yeah. I had a, 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 two students at that junior college that I was at. They were coworkers. And they were in the same class, and it was a summer school class. And so, you know, the way that I operate in the classroom is nine times out of ten, I'm asking students a question, you know. And when they come with an opinion, I'm asking why. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? What brought you there? You know, so forth. Again, it's that challenging aspect to get them to think it through. Mm-hmm. And so one of the students who happened to have been a friend of my sister's. We met out somewhere, some, you know, casually at one point. And she's like, you know, people on our unit, because they were in the nursing, they were in the nursing profession, people on our unit are laughing at us. I was like, why is that? And she said, because all we ever do is say, but why? (laughs) But why? Mm -hmm. But why? Mm -hmm. And they're like, why are you guys doing that? What, where did that come from? I'm like, Professor Rasmussen. But why? <laughs> yeah. You know, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. Why does that happen? You know, why is it that we operate this way in society? Mm-hmm. You know, it's being able to think past just our own personal into not only what we do, but why we do it. And then examining how we do it. And maybe how can we do that a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. That and asking them to go back to their sphere of influence and, and take what they've learned here. If you've, if you've actually engaged in the process of education, then you can take that to your sphere of influence because we all have one, right? Mm-hmm. No matter who you are or where you come from, you have a sphere of influence. There's this group of individuals that you come in contact with on a fairly regular basis that you can exchange this information with. Mm-hmm. You know, most, maybe the people that you are around don't have the opportunity to sit in a college classroom. Hmm. That's yours. I mean, the vast majority of our students, right, are first generation, first generation college students. Yeah. First time wow. anyone in their family has come onto a university campus. You not only have the privilege, but the responsibility, if you ask me, to go back and take what you've learned back to them. Yeah. And, and maybe broaden them a little bit. Help them ask the same questions that you're being challenged to ask while you're sitting on these on this campus mm-hmm. and in these classes. Yeah, and that's something that's a, it's a common thing that I hear from students that leave the sociology mm-hmm. discipline and go into jobs is that um, that what often helps them is that this background of knowing like um, there are all these factors that influence a person, mm-hmm. right? You're asking like why why do we think that way? Could it be where is that? opinion belief coming from right? right and so a lot of students say like you know i'll see somebody 
having issues and somebody can just write it off, mm -hmm. right? The average person can just write it off. But with the sociological knowledge, it allows me to really dissect that experience right. and be like, what are the factors influencing that yeah. situation? You know, and, so, and what part can I play in maybe mitigating that? Yeah. Or mm -hmm. at least understanding it. Yes. Because we can't do everything. I mean, it, that's just beyond our control. We, we would are, get paid more sociologists. We well, could do <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, and we don't get paid enough, but we get paid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to be able to equip students with that, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, when students come back and they understand, they've had that real-life practical experience with sociology. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell students, especially like methods, when I teach methods, I tell students this is, you know, different in a number of ways, right? But this is one of those classes that you can put on your resume. Mm -hmm. Like you have this ability to do this. Not, you get oh, through yeah. your 4,000-level methods, that's resume material, mm -hmm. yep. you know? And I had a, stu had a student one time, you know, I must, be I must have been teaching for a while because <laughs> I got all these student stories, right? Um, but I had a student come into my office one time and she plopped down in the chair and she had this like five inch binder on her lap. And I'm like, look, I know I didn't assign that binder. <laughs> so I don't know where it came from. Yeah. And she again, she was like, you were right. Like, again, I love being right, but could you elaborate and tell me what I was right about? Right. And she was like, so I work at this job, right? And we're getting ready to go under review, right? And she keeps saying this. And I'm okay. And she said, guess who has to do the data collection and analysis? Oh. Like, <laughs> yeah. I said, and why would that be? She said, "Because I took your quantitative, your quantitative uh, methods course." I was like, "And, and your introduction to research methods." And she got all, all pouty. And I wrote on the resume. Yeah, you know, and but she didn't see. That's the thing. She didn't. Oh, even, she, did. she hadn't even gotten an opportunity to right oh, because okay. she was already in the job. Oh, I see. And so you know, just in casual conversation with her employer oh, about how man, much yeah. Professor Rasmussen was getting on her nerves. Yeah. She's like, what do you guys, what, what, she, what did she do? And da 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 da. And what do you have to do? And da 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 da. And so, boss is like, you know, Madam Boss is like filing this stuff away in her little mm -hmm. Rolodex of knowledge of, of her employees. And when it came time for their annual review or recertification or whatever it was, she was like, hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing the, you're I doing the, you. I need you to do the collection and the, the analysis. Mm hmm. And I was like, because yep, she marketable. said every, she said every time I said it, you could put it on your resume, it just just graded her like mm -hmm. it was just nails on a chalkboard kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully she gets paid more now, right? Because I, of that experience. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I said because that was the second half of the conversation. I awesome. was like, okay, so this is what you've been asked to do. Mm -hmm. Now, once you do it. And it's right, and it's nice, and it's tight, and all of that kind of stuff. I said, you need to negotiate. You yeah. need to go sit down and, and you know sit across from her mm -hmm. and renegotiate your salary. Yeah. Because if she's going to have you doing those high level things, mm -hmm. you deserve the the, the the compensation for it, right? Yep. And she was like, you're right. Yep. I can do that. The equal exchange of energy. That's exactly. a lot of energy. Data analysis oh, is not an easy thing to do. It's so not. you should be compensated. Yeah. For it. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because yeah, she used to roll her eyes at me when I would talk about, you know, I used to call it going into the matrix when I would be entering data into the um, uh, into yeah. SPSS or mm-hmm. into my, my Excel sheet or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and she would just roll her eyes like, it's not that bad. <laughs> Wait till you do it. Wait till you, I mean, I had like, I don't know, I had, it was in the hundreds. I don't remember how many surveys I had completed surveys I had, mm-hmm. probably right around 300, something like that. For your master's thesis? For my master's yeah. thesis. And um, so, you know, putting all of that information, and I was the only one doing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> was difficult yeah. and time-consuming and tedious and all of those things. But on the end of it, if you can produce something, mm-hmm. you know, if you can ethically evaluate the, the data and make it work, for what you need it to, if it proves, if it shows, it doesn't prove anything. If it shows what you think it's gonna show, mm-hmm. that's worth it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Well, hey, I want to thank you again for coming on, sharing your experience and your story with us. No problem. And um, yeah, hope to have you on again. Give me another <laughs> call. Give me another email. Send me some more questions. <laughs> you got it. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sociology Talk podcast. For more stories and work of other sociologists, please subscribe and check out the other episodes. See you next time.